there it is. We are so glad here. It seems like today is family day. I think I've, I've noticed several family members are kind of here with visiting people. I know Janice has got some and Rip had his granddaughter was here earlier. And so it's, yeah, it um, seems like it's family day. I appreciate that. It's good to have guests with us. Today we're going to talk about if our faith has grown up or not. Uh, we, uh, we're in Galatians chapter five, 3, beginning in verse 15. Galatians 3, 15. Um, it, it talks a lot about what we, we have to deal with, and, and I'm going to run around in some circles probably in all this, but um, if you'd like to stand as we read God's word, those that are able to, uh, Galatians three fifteen. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to human covenant but what has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. What, then, was the purpose of the law? Of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed, the seed, to whom the promise referred, had come. The law has put into effect through angels by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given, that would impart life. Then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what is, was promised, being given through faith in Christ Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law has put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. May God bless the reading of his word. When we were children, some of us still, we have to have boundaries. Now, it's important as parents to remember to keep rules simple and consequences for those rules broken. Our little dog, Chewy, has a collar that he wears that will give him a little zap if he goes out of his boundaries in our yard. Now, this is really to keep him safe from going into the road. He is not fond of it when he wants to chase the mailman. He likes to chase the mailman. He likes to, he lives for that time of day. Luckily, he's learned where his boundary is, and so has the mailman. And the mailman will drive and kind of stop and let him chase him back and forth in the yard right there. That's his fun for the day. But he gets a zap if he goes out of those boundaries. Now, as he's grown a little bit older, 
we can forget to put the collar on and a lot of times he will not go out of the boundaries because he knows that's where he's supposed to be. Matter of fact, we'll take his collar off and say, you want to come for a walk with us? And it takes him a lot of coaxing to go past what he knows are his boundaries. That's how we are. We have our boundaries. We give our children boundaries. We ourselves have been given. The law gave boundaries. And the scripture shows that that law had been given there to re, for us to know our boundaries. And we, as children, we need to have clear-cut boundaries. Or we, like sheep, will go astray. And you know that's true. Because we do. Even when we know the boundaries. It tells us that the laws or the rules of boundaries are like an escort for children. In, in the Greek time, they had a, a, a tutor or something would be like the escort for the child to take them back and forth to school. Why? To keep them safe. So that people wouldn't come and get them or whatever. We kind of seem to have to have that nowadays, it seems. Where we need to accompany the children or be an escort to kind of watch out so that nothing happens to them. It's there to what? Protect them. Just like that collar is for Chewy, it's there to protect them. It's not there to be mean to Chewy. Though sometimes we want to, you know. It's not there for that reason. The reason is totally to protect him and to keep him from going off somewhere else and bothering people and all those. The deal is this. Jesus came so that we could grow up. Oh, man, do I have to grow up? We don't want to. Our faith cannot stay caught up in childhood behavior and rule following. You see, he's trying to tell us we don't have to go and say, no, wait a minute, now what was the rule on that? How does that work? And as we get older, the rules kind of change because things are no longer as black and white as we would like them to be. That's good and it's also bad, right? We'll give an example. We'll give you some examples here. We're going out to dinner and we want a glass of wine with dinner. Do we, is that okay, or do we, is it going to cause little ones to stumble? I, as pastor, have always said, I don't drink wine, I don't drink, I'm just, just not me, okay? And I would, I sat in front of a group of young people, young adults, and said that, yeah, no, I don't drink, because I said, if I did that, I went, and I looked at them and said, how would you feel if you walked into a restaurant and I had a glass of wine or a beer in front of me? And they just looked at me like I was from outer space. What are you talking about? It would mean nothing. However, if I went to a senior adult class and said, well, how would you feel if I, you walked in the restaurant and I had a beer or a glass of wine? They would think less of me. They would not respect me as much. So is it right or is it wrong? You get to decide yourself. You're a grown-up. You we don't... Oh, you see... Another one kind of with that, that hits at home a little bit more, hats in church. What if you wore a hat in church? Some people go, what? What hat in church? Let me tell you, at Rosemont, you better not go wear no hat in no church. We had a few senior adult guys that would come and flip it off your head or do whatever. But you see, 
30 years ago, 40 years ago, 100 years ago, hats were for what? Work. Kept the sun out of your eyes, kept things. It was a thing. It, you took it off when you went inside buildings. You, that was what it was. Hats today are part of a fashion statement. It's part of your outfit. They think nothing about it. Is that something we get up? Are we going to stumble and fall over it? I don't know. You see, we have things that cause others and cause trouble. What about always telling the truth? Now, we should always tell the truth, right? Okay. Does this outfit make me look fat? <laughs> Any man in this building, <laughs> we tell you, you don't even answer that question. Or you, don't, you see what I'm saying. Now, are we going to tell them the truth? Are we going to say, why not? You look wonderful. What are we going to say? How are we going to, what are we going to do about it? You see, it isn't always as easy as this or that. Things aren't always black or white. We always struggle. Is it God's will to pack up my family and move to Africa to help feed starving children? It might be. That would be something you'd have to think long and hard and pray long and hard about, wouldn't it? I know I would. Some people go, Shh, absolutely, no problem. Okay, what is that going to do to your children and your family? How is that going to affect them? You have other things. We have to understand. Our real problem is that we want to be spoon-fed about everything in our walk with Christ. Please, tell me what's right or wrong. That's works. I can stand up here and tell you, don't do this, do that, don't do that. And you all, many of you will be going, that's right. That would be amazing if you would just tell us what to do. I'll be honest, there's a lot of days I wish God would just tell me, which way, what way am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to turn right or am I supposed to turn left? Which am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be retired or am I not supposed to be retired? Am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be doing that? Who is going to be the new pastor of this church? Who's going to, just do it, God. Right? That's how we all want it. Unfortunately, he doesn't just do that, does he? He says, trust me and follow me and do as I lead you. But I'm not sure. Really? Keep praying. Really? Keep following. Really? Keep trusting. You see, we want to be told all those things, but we never know. We like to see. We want somebody else to kind of tell it. We want to pass the buck. We don't want to be the leader. I remember when I became pastor, I'd always been the associate or been the music guy or the youth guy or whatever position it was at that time. Then I was going to become the pastor. There was a problem with that and that all of a sudden the buck stopped here. I couldn't just do Wes's thing. Oh, it's just Wes. That's what the pastors used to love me to be on their staff because I could do, get away with stuff that they couldn't try. They were afraid to try it. Whoa. Oh, it's just Wes. It's okay. Well, now I'm the pastor. If I do something, what were you thinking, preacher? Have you lost your mind? Right? I mean, those kind of things happen. All of a sudden, the buck stopped here. So, 
now all of a sudden we're given more responsibility, right? As we grow up, what? We're given more responsibility, I hope. Right? You don't give a five-year-old the same responsibility you give a 15-year-old. They're about the same responsibility sometimes. But what I'm saying is you're not supposed to. They're supposed to what? Grow up. That's why we start letting them start driving and start doing, we start giving them more responsibility. We don't just automatically give them a driver's license. We do what? A learner's license first in order for them to get used to some things. In Arkansas, they let them have a learner's license at 14. I about freaked out because I have a 14-year-old granddaughter in Arkansas. And yes, she has her learner's license. And that, yes, is scary. Because I knew her when she couldn't drive the little electric cars. Okay? The little Barbie car didn't go so well. Now, her little brother, who is three years younger than her, could drive it way better than her. But she is now driving a real car. The good news is they make a mistake, keep it two years. They have to, there's still 16 driver's licenses but they have two years, so they have a little bit more time to learn. But you see, we struggle. Now, imagine somebody comes to you, and they're struggling with their finances and how to give more to God. And they've asked you to help them. What do you do? Well, instead of sitting down and showing them how God would help them and how they could help them put a budget together and how you could help them figure out how to do that, you decide that it's over your head and you're going to call in an expert. Is that what we're supposed to do? You see, then all of a sudden, what have you done? Well, number one, you've dropped them. You've kind of said, no, I'm not good enough. You've dropped what you were asked to do. Number two, you're all of a sudden including someone else into a problem they're struggling with that they may not want spread around. And let's face it, you all know, like I know, the more people know, it grows exponentially. One person knows it can a lot of times stay with just one person. Two persons know, well, it might go a little bit farther. If four people know, well, you might as well forget it. I'm sorry, you just might as well. We think that we, someone else, would be maybe more qualified, and we're afraid to help them because we might mess up. But you see, we may be also robbing ourselves of the blessing and also robbing them of letting you and build on that one in one time. You see, we have to work together sometimes. And this is, I tried to pick an example that could very easily happen to anybody in this room. Someone in, could be struggling with some little part of their faith or their walk with Christ. And they come to you and say, I'm having trouble with this. How can we work on it? And that gives you the prime opportunity to <clears throat> grow up and decide, okay, I'm going to help out. I will do what I can. But you see, a lot of times we don't want the responsibility of an adult faith. We, we ha then we have to act mature, and most of the time we enjoy being children. We like being spoon-fed. We like being just told what to do. We like our we like our little area. We like our little, well, I'm here right here, and I'm good. I'm in my comfort zone right here. We enjoy someone else <laughs> taking the responsibility. Like I enjoyed the pastor before taking the responsibility and me doing my thing. I enjoyed that. That was kind of fun. 
But sometimes I have to man up and decide I'm going to take my mature, be the mature, responsible faith that I need. I know I can trust God even when I don't trust God. Now, I want you to think about that statement a minute. How do you trust God when you don't trust God? Everyone in this room has been in that situation at some point or another. You've had a death that you can't deal with. You've had a situation in your life that's happened you have trouble dealing with, and you're not sure you trust God to take care of it. You have a problem that's come up that you think is beyond what God can do. Yeah, that sounds funny from a preacher saying it out loud. But folks, I'd be very surprised if he said you never thought that in your mind. Somewhere in the back of your mind, you're going, God don't need to deal with that. I'll deal with this. I'll take it on myself. I'll do this. You see, all of us gets to the point that we are not sure if we can really trust God with that situation because we're afraid of what he might tell us to do with that situation. It's a tough one. It's always tough. We feel like he is telling us to go and talk to some person that maybe has been missing from the group for a while. And you find out when you go to visit that person that they're kind of crossways with the preacher because the preacher told them to be in Sunday school on time. So now all of a sudden you've got to deal with a situation of how do I get that person back and still support my pastor and do both at the same time? That's a difficult situation. My guess is there's some folks in this church that have been in that situation. Because let's face it, folks, people get crossways with their preacher at times. I've been a preacher. I am a preacher. I know this is a true statement. I have been crossways with people in my lifetime more than once. Most of the time, it's a misunderstanding. I would say 90% of the time. Sometimes it's, I just ticked them off. They didn't like what I said. They were upset. What do you mean you want me to come to church when I'm supposed to? What do you mean that camping is not an alternative form of worship? What do you mean that, you know, whatever? You know, I I say stuff, and plus, you know me, I say stuff sometimes and it just comes out funny, you know? And they, they take it and run. But you see, sometimes we get put in tough situations where we have to kind of ask about something that's going on and try to help what? Make things happen. Make it, bring them back together. Bring them back into the fold. Because we all know that when you're absent from this fold, you're missing something. You know, we can watch on TV all we want. We can watch online and we can do all these other preachers. But it is not the same as sitting in amongst your fellow believers and and getting ideas from them and hearing from them and all growing together. That's how grown-up faith happens. It doesn't just happen sitting there going, well, I'm, I'm sure God will just impart it on me doesn't work that way mature faith recognizes that all are equal this is tough in the church I'm I'm not gonna lie it's tough in the church because we don't all think that every certain position is equal see I may desire to be on the flower and decorating committee you do not want me on the flower and decorating committee You see, 
I am not a flower and decorating kind of person. It would look really bad if I did the flowers and decorating. That would be a bad thing. It may be if I really wanted that job, that's just silly. But I may desire that job. It may be, though, that my place of service would be the taking out the trash committee. Okay? I would probably be more, I would definitely be more qualified to do that. And let's face it, folks, that's as important a job as the flower and decorating committee. Um, if nobody takes the trash out around here, guess what? It's going to be a mess. You see, service requires mature faith. Because not all jobs are glamorous. Not all jobs are the one you want to do. Not all jobs are as, as, as prestigious as being chairman of deacons. Yeah, right. See, Bobby has got a prestigious job. And you can tell he feels like it's his prestigious job. Because especially without a pastor, the buck gets to stop somewhere besides the interim pastor. <laughs> Done it. <laughs> you know, you see, and when I say crazy things like that or made in the shade, you know, I, you know, who's gonna get it? Who's gonna get Bobby? So you see what I'm saying. We are we are required to do that. We're also required to include and accept everyone. <laughs> Oh boy, now we're getting, because there's some, there's some times that we don't always want to accept everybody. I don't know if y'all know it or not, but there, there's people that are different from us. I know this shocks you all. There's some people that don't agree with you necessarily. There's some people that don't look like you. What? What are you talking about? What I'm talking about is the church is made up of a bunch of a bunch of people that are not alike. And they don't look alike, and they don't act alike. They don't even always believe exactly alike. Hopefully we can believe on the majors, you know, let's face it. We, we, we do have some major things we have to believe in, you know. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Jesus Christ saved, died, on the cross, save us for our sins. Jesus Christ buried, raised, resurrected. I mean, there's some things that we got to go with. But then there's some other little details that we kind of go, I'm not sure. Are you? No, no. You, know, you know, there's those little things. They might not even vote like you do. Oh, now, wait a minute, Wes. Now you meddling. Folks, there are going to be some independents in heaven. Folks, there's going to be some libertarians in heaven. There's going to be some Democrats in heaven. And there's going to be some Republicans in heaven. Believe it or not, there's probably going to be some Green Works people that, you know, what was Nader, the Green Party or something. There's going to be some of those in heaven. You see, folks, a lot of times I'm not sure, but us... Christians, Baptists, Southern Baptists, whatever, are not sure about that statement. I've done crossed the line. <laughs> we have to be the ones that have mature faith and trust in God. 
to take care of whatever differences those may be. And we have to count on our Lord to take that. You see, it's not easy to have grown-up faith. It causes us to put Christ and His work ahead of ourselves. It puts us in a tough situation sometimes, and we have to trust God and leave our egos at the door. Every time I deal with a married couple, when a couple come to me to get married, I talk about women are security-driven, men are ego-driven. Now, I know that's generalizing, and you all can run, take that, and run all you want. But I'm going to just tell you, most men, their ego is a big thing. Now, I don't mean, I'm all that ego. I'm not talking about that ego. It's I'm doing my thing, doing that. When the woman goes and says, well, my dad would have done it better. Okay? Whether he could or not, that chips at his ego. Women, security driven. When, when a man says something about, well, my mom didn't cook it like that. She feels like she, you'd rather be home living with your mom. Well, we know that ain't the truth. But you see what I'm saying? We have to leave our ego at the door. And for that, we'll make our faith mature. We cannot do this, however, on our own. Our trust in God and our trust in Christ will lead us to the way. He will lead us in the growth. He will help us to be grown-ups. So welcome to the adult world. We are now there. We have to trust him and follow him. And he will lead us and lead the way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and what it teaches. Help us, Lord, to let our faith mature and to trust you to show us the way each and every place we go, everywhere we go. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for your presence in this place. Show us, Lord, who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. This is our time of invitation. We invite you to come. If you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior, this would be a great day to do that. If you'd like to unite with Forest Heights, this church is a wonderful fellowship. would love to have you. There may be any other decisions you need to make. This is your time as we sing.